So welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Moorcrofts Means Business podcast. Um, Moorcrofts, for those of you who don't know, we're a law firm based in the Thames Valley, specialising in corporate commercial property, commercial and employment law. My name's Matt Jenkin, I look after the employment law team at Moorcrofts. Um, and a pleasure today to welcome Derek Rogers. Derek and I are going to talk about um, unlimited leave as part of a growth culture. Um, uh, Derek is the managing partner at Gardner Leavder. They're a, a law firm with offices Newbury, Maidenhead, Thatcham um, and London. Um, he's been managing partner since 2011 and I know the firm's doubled in size since I think 2012. Um, and actually we should all wish uh, Derek a very happy anniversary because I think it's either today or to, is, is tomorrow is his 15th year with, with Gardner Leavder. So um, congratulations on that, Derek, and welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, so you, you're, you're slightly unusual, I suppose, as a law firm in, the, in that I suppose lots of law firms aren't considered particularly innovative. Sometimes we're considered quite stuffy professionals. But um, you, you went out on, on, I won't say quite on a limb, but you were one of the first firms to introduce an unlimited leave policy, I think, back in was it 2019. Uh, we started it as a trial in 2019 and, and ran that for 12 months and then at the beginning of this year we decided to make it, or end of last year we decided to make it permanent from 1st of January 2020. Uh, and for those listening who may not be familiar with, with unlimited leave, what does it mean in your organisation? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, we tend to refer to it as flexible leave rather than unlimited, but... Okay. The, un the unlimited part does actually help you understand what it is because it, it basically we've taken off the the idea of a set, <clears throat> a set number of days holiday in each year. So we don't count the number of days that people have taken as, as holiday anymore. So it's unlimited in that sense, but it is still managed. It's not it's not a free for all. You can't just decide not to turn up. So um, just to make it slightly more honest we, we call it flexible but i, I think unlimited is, is, is a good starting point for considering what it is and um uh, what prompted you to make that change so so to move from that kind of very set traditional you know four or five weeks plus statutory bank holidays um to moving to that sort of um flexible leave what what sort of prompted you to, to think about that um, for me, it probably started about five years ago, I think. Um, my firm is a member of a, a network of independent law firms called Lawnet, which has got about 70 member firms across the country. And a lot of them are, are also quite sort of forward thinking. And at their conference a few years ago, I went to a talk by the managing partner of a firm called Ashton's, who are based up in, in East Anglia. Um, so they're their chief executive. And he talked about the fact that they'd just completed their trial of a, a similar scheme and he uh, talked about all the benefits that they'd had from it and the fact that they'd really not had to think very hard about making it permanent, which they were, they were just about to do at that stage. So it, it was very thought-provoking and as we were, one, one of my partners had come to the talk with me and as we were coming out of the talk, I, I was just about to say to him, well, that, that sounds really interesting. I think we should think about that. And uh, before I could get the words out, he turned to me and said, well, you'd have to be absolutely bonkers before you'd even consider something like that. So I thought, well, we're maybe not quite ready just yet uh, to, to leap into it. But I, I, I thought it sounded really interesting. It did sound like they'd had a lot of benefits. And I know Ed, the, the chief executive of Ashton's, pretty well. So I kept in touch with him over the following couple of years just to see how it was going. Uh, and it all still sounded quite positive. And then with 
with Ed's help and, and support, we we basically took their scheme and adapted it for for our firm and decided to have a go at it. You mentioned one of your your partners turning around at that initial meeting and saying you'd have to be bonkers for introducing it. I, c- I can imagine having certainly not not at Moorcross, but having worked at some other perhaps more traditional firms and um, raising that round the partnership table um, would have been met, I think, with some some very um, strange glances. Was there any any pushback from, from the partnership or did you manage to kind of get buy-in fairly quickly from them? I, I think I, I kind of dripped it in every so often over the, the next couple of years and, and there was probably a little bit of scepticism to begin with. Actually, by the time that we decided to do the trial, I didn't get any pushback at all. Another firm that we know pretty well had also started doing it by that time. And, and their, uh, their experience was exactly the same as Ashton's had had, uh, very positive and no regrets. So we were able to go into it with that kind of confidence of knowing that it had worked. And I suppose the point that I made to my partners was, well, unless we are saying that our staff are somehow less reliable than the, the staff at these other two firms, which we absolutely had no idea to, uh, no reason to, to think. Uh, why, why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't it work for us if it works for them? So, the, the discussion at that point was was fairly brief. And by the time we got to the end of the trial and decided to bring it in permanently, I, I don't think we even really discussed it at all. It was just a kind of, shall we do this? Yes. What's the next item on the agenda? So, kind of that that kind of dripping it in over a period of time sounds like it, it helped rather than just kind of. A, hitting them in one go with kind of just, just to prove this. I just keep going till they're fed up listening to and they, they go. <laughs> and, and you mentioned the staff there. What was their initial reaction? I'd be really interested to know how, because how, how, they, they hopefully saw it as a positive, but, but you know, you, you never know in terms when you're trying to introduce these things. Did yeah. they think you were trying to take holiday away from them or? I think there, I mean, there is always a, a certain amount of suspicion, I think. I mean, the reaction generally was very positive. I think there was possibly a slight feeling that everyone thought they would be the person left to do the work. Okay. On holiday. So I think there was an issue around that. There was a little bit of an issue of people who'd perhaps accrued extra holiday over a period of time because of their length of service, maybe felt something was being taken away from them. But actually, we were saying to them, well, look, you know, you most of you have been here such a long time that you've, you've stopped accruing extra holiday long ago. So what we're really doing is recognising everyone's loyalty and you know just take a bit more holiday if that's what you want to do. Uh, so there wasn't really any pushback from the staff. I think there was just that little bit of well, let's just see see how it works. And I think you've said it's not it it it's it's flexible but not unmanaged. Mm. So. It, Typically, would someone kind of just put in their holiday request as normal, or and then that gets dealt with by the line manager? Um, how does it, you know, how, how how does someone do that? Is it is it fairly fairly flexible in in how they yeah. get I mean, their holiday the through? Mechanics of it are still exactly the same as they were before. So you complete your holiday request. You you have to give a certain amount of notice ahead of the time that you want to take the holiday. None of that's really changed. What what's changed is that we don't then kind of tot up how many days you've had and think you're still entitled to another 12 days or whatever. We, we assess it much more on the basis of, um, do we have enough resource in the team to cover it? Um, and would we put unfair pressure on other people in the team if we allowed it? And uh, as well as taking away the overall annual limits, we've also done away with the kind of, you can only take 10 working days at a time sort of thing. So there is the potential for people to take longer holidays as well. But yeah, 
I think if if um, if somebody came and said oh, I want to take six weeks off just to sort of sit at home, that would probably be regarded as unfair pressure on the rest of the the team because they'd need to cover the work. If they said I want to come and take six weeks because I've got two weddings to go to in Australia, we would probably look at that more favourably. So there is that kind of balancing act that goes on. Uh, and do employees kind of still kind of almost self police that in the in the <laughs> that that people are still and I think often. Um, it's limited, isn't it, by school holidays, by their partner's holiday entitlement. So the idea that somehow people are going to be off all the time, I think, is 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 kind of misplaced. Have you have you found that, that actually it kind of evens itself out? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that is the thing. That that I suppose was the main confidence that we got from the other firms that I tried at first. I think both of them, their experience was that their average holiday take up had increased by about one day per employee per year. So. In talking about it, it's, it's almost a kind of double-edged thing because on the one hand, I'm saying, oh, this is something that's really different and really exciting. On the other hand, I'm saying, well, it doesn't actually make that difference. But I think the difference it makes is the flexibility rather than the amount of, of holidays. So we haven't seen massive increases in holiday. I think there are a number of regulating factors that, you know, I think most people take holiday when they've got a reason to take holiday. Either they're exhausted or they have you know, they want to go off on holiday or they've got something to do. Most people don't take holiday just to not be at work. And I think we've seen through all the furlough experience over the last few months that all things being equal, most people would rather be at work than just sitting at home doing nothing. So that uh, is part of it. You, you'll know yourself in, in professional services, generally, if you take holiday, the work's still there for you when you come back. So people... Oh, back, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> a disciplining factor of people. And, you know, I suppose taking it to extremes, if, if somebody was kind of on holiday for 200 days in the year, you would start to wonder if they actually had a proper job. So, um, well, I, I don't think we've had that problem. And um, it's, it, our experience has been very similar. It's, it's not gone up very much. I think the other two firms both found that their, their sick leave had dropped probably by more than their holiday had gone up. Uh, and I think that's because people are actually just taking things as holiday whereas before they might have got to the end of the year and called in sick if they needed an extra day we've probably we've not had the glut of um holiday requests around about this time of year that we used to get as our holiday year was coming to an end i think the holidays are spread across the year a bit more because people are less reluctant to take holiday earlier in the year in case they need it later um so it's 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 worked i mean when, when we looked at it as the trial came to an end they, um, we tried to kind of map it against what we would have expected people to have taken under their previous entitlements. And it was a, quite a mixture, really. We had a few people that had taken quite a lot more, but when we looked at it, it tended to be people with weddings and things that we would have found a way of allowing anyway. And we still had quite a number of people where we had to go to them and say, actually, we don't think you're taking enough holiday. You, you really should take some time off. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's always an interesting one. You know, from a, when you ask employment lawyers about unlimited holiday, the first thing we normally start talking about is is talking about is well, what about the minimum entitlements under the working time regulations, and mm. um, that kind of minimum five point six weeks. So presumably you have to monitor it to some level to make sure people are at least taking the minimum. But um, yeah. it, it it seems to me to be a, 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 a you know it, it's monitoring it for the right purposes. Yeah, and that still all comes into it because, as you say, we do need to make sure that people are taking the minimum. And also, as you'll know, for if, if people leave partway through a year or 
Um, if they go off on maternity leave, there's various circumstances where you need to do accruals of holiday pay to make sure that people are being treated fairly. So that tends to be based now on the statutory uh, minimum rather than, than anything else. So we still keep a record of the days, but we don't, um, it's not part of the decision process. And those listening to the podcast will be quite pleased to know that I'm not about to put on my working time regulations anorak and start quitting Derek on the intricacies of the of, of how it trades off against your working time entitlements. Mainly because I'm not sure I know the answer to that on some of the cases. It's, it's a long time since I looked at them in any detail. <laughs> I was actually involved in the first ever High Court case under the working time regulations. That was quite an exciting experience. Oh, wow. About George years ago. Um, and I, don't, I doubt if they're any clearer now than they were. We sat for four, four days in the High Court in London trying to work out what people are actually entitled to do if they, if they work too hard. Well, if, you, if, if you can find out, if you can let me know, that would be good, because I'm not sure the answer is the answer's any clearer now. And I, but, but I think, again, with kind of my employment lawyer's hat on, I suppose one of the questions that, that always kind of comes to mind on that is, is that what happens if someone exploits it? And I suppose I approach it on a cynical perspective in that employers tend to ring me when things go wrong. So I always assume that things will go wrong. But um, I, I know when we've talked about it in the past, Derek, that you haven't really experienced that at all. No, and actually we we shouldn't experience it because as I say, it's a managed scheme. So if anybody is exploiting it, it can only be because we've allowed them to do it. It's because the, whoever their team leader is hasn't applied the appropriate um, criteria to looking at the, the holiday request but I don't think we've even really I'm not aware of anyone that's looked like they're they're trying to exploit oh. it and, and we, we've got there, there's a policy around it that people can read before they do it so there are things like you know we we don't allow it to be used so that a five day a week person can turn themselves into a four day a week person um, so that that's one area where I suppose you might get somebody trying to use it for their own purpose but we've not had any of that and hopefully we, we won't have. And you mentioned some of the benefits that b before Derek about kind of spreading the holiday entitlement out over the year and that's good in terms of management and you avoiding kind of mass holidays at this time of the year. Have you seen any kind of more I suppose intangible benefits? It's always difficult to measure culture isn't it but how's do you think it's had that impact on your organisation? I think one of the benefits, it certainly saved a lot of management time because we haven't had to have all those discussions that I'm sure you have as well, where you get to kind of November or what, you know, end of your holiday year, somebody's taken all their 25 days or whatever, and they, they want to go to a wedding and you know you're going to let them go to the wedding, but you have to spend hours trying to work out on what basis are you going to allow it? How do you avoid setting a precedent? You have to think back over the previous three years to try and work out if you've uh, made a different decision for somebody else in similar circumstances. We, we don't have to do any of that. Um, you know, most it, it, it encompasses pretty much any kind of leave. You know, funerals, all that sort of stuff comes pretty much under this scheme. So the only things that are different really are maternity sick, maternity leave, and sick leave, and those kinds of statutory arrangements. Um, I think. I think it is important to culture. I think if your culture wasn't right, it's not the first thing that you would do to try and put it right. Um, I think you, you have to have the right culture in place to begin with. Uh, you need to, there's a lot of trust involved in on both sides. Uh, so you, you need to have the right people. But I, th I think we have, I, I think not so much the scheme itself, but the, the, the sort of values that underpin the scheme and the fact that we've shown the trust of bringing in a scheme like this have really played a big part in the response that we've had over the, the course of the 
the, the pandemic situation this year in terms of we've had to ask a lot of people uh, we've had to you know get them working in a completely different way we've had to get them to go on furlough and all, all sorts of things and I, I think when they know that we've tried to bring in things like this in the good times we we've had a, a very positive response when things have got more difficult yeah, I, was, I, I was going to say how because obviously you, you trialed it what's that 2019 and then went live with it in in 2020 the year of the the, the pandemic and furlough and things like that how did it kind of work in terms of that kind of lockdown periods were people still taking holiday during that time was it still something you were encouraging yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously been difficult, really, to judge anything on a, a normal basis. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I think we probably have had to do a bit more effort to actually encourage people to take holiday this year because, you know, if, if you're just sat at home and you can't go anywhere, um, it, it, there's not the same incentive, really, to, to take holiday. But I think it is still very important that people actually just take a break from thinking about stuff and making decisions and staring at their computer screens even if they're still in the same house but um, so it, it's it's I think the, the the unlimited aspect of it probably hasn't been that relevant this year because people have just taken what, what they've needed but uh, it'll be interesting as we as we start to, to come back but I, I think it's probably again on just on the management side with furlough and with people working at home and people not taking, it's, it's probably saved us a lot of calculations of how do we kind of get everything back on track at the end of it? Because I think we can just say, well, people can just take what holiday they need next year. I know that under the working time regulations, you've got all this kind of special carrying forward rules at the moment, which obviously we'll observe, but it's probably not going to be as much of an issue for us because people will just be able to take whatever holiday they want anyway. Yeah, one one of the questions I'm getting asked a lot now is about the carryover of holiday leave into the next two years, and is it coronavirus related and, and those sort of things. And I, you know, from my own perspective, I think the courts will look to be as generous as they can for employees. I think they'll have some mm. sympathy. So, I think if you're avoiding arguments on that, that's always that's always going to be positive. And um, I, I think one point that I thought just just I'd touch on with you because I know some of the bigger companies have have introduced. Um, unlimited holiday policies to much fanfare and I think Virgin was amongst one of them and things like that but I, when I looked at their policies it's, it's I think you've described it before to me as almost take holidays if you dare but mm. that doesn't sound to me that that's something you deliberately kind of wanted to move away from you you actively want people to take the holidays yeah I mean certainly part of the initial discussion I had with Ed when he brought it in Ashton's he, he had looked at all the same things and yeah it was kind of take holiday as long as your work's all absolutely covered, nothing's going to be delayed and you don't think it'll affect your career prospects. So he was very determined when he brought it in his firm that um, it, it would do what it said on the tin. And actually uh, at the same conference was able to speak to a number of his staff who were there, uh, who were actually you know, beneficiaries of the holiday scheme. And, and certainly the impression I got from them was that it, it was real um, and it was honoured in the in the way that it was rolled out but yeah I, I think I think if you do these things and then when people look under the bonnet it's not what um not what you're claiming to be it's actually a, a retrograde step you're, you're going to make your culture worse rather than better yeah and I'd be really interested in some of those larger organizations to know what their actual holiday take-up figures are because I I suspect it's not people having eight weeks holiday a year um 
you know, I suspect it balances it, 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 itself out. And if I think also with some of them, when you really look at detail, that it only applied to a very small number of people in the organisation, whereas here and the, the other law firms that I'm aware of, it applies to, to everything. Yeah, and I think sometimes with, with, I know with Virgin, everyone kind of thinks it applies to every kind of Virgin entity that's out there, not everyone kind of forgets most of it's a kind of a franchise type operation where I think they were talking about kind of head office Virgin staff it applied to. So again, limited in terms of its its extent. Um, and if organisations are listening to this and, and their interest is kind of piqued by um, unlimited leave and what it could do for them, what kind of some tips of where they should start, what they should think about? I think it is worth doing a trial period, although I'm not sure that we... Um, had a different view of it at the end of the trial period. I think just because you do have that initial suspicions, too negative a word, but you have that people being a bit intrigued as to how it's going to work. I think it's worth doing it as a trial period so that nobody feels they're being pushed into anything. There's always that opportunity to go back if it if it doesn't work for you, because I'm sure there will be some organisations where it, it just doesn't work. Maybe it's, it's too early in the, the cultural development of the, the business. So I think it is worth doing it as a trial period. We we had said, to be honest, that we would do a consultation at the end of the trial period, and we didn't really bother with that because we'd had enough feedback as we were going along to know that people were quite happy with it. Uh, but I, I think make it genuine, make sure that the people who are um, approving the holiday requests really understand what it is that you're trying to achieve through it and make sure that they're all applying it in the same way. And... Um, just, uh, I, I do think having some FAQs and some policy guidance around it just helps people, just helps steer people through it as to what it is and what it isn't. I, I, and I think, you know, I, it, it's interesting, I think, on that, I think that communication piece, I think, is going to be key to explain, not just to the staff, but to the managers as well, who've perhaps mm. been used to managing holidays in a particular way, that yeah. it, there's now a different regime in place. Yeah, I, mean, I think the worst thing you could have would be if you had 10 team leaders and nine of them were doing it the way you wanted and one wasn't. That that would be incredibly divisive and really would undermine the whole thing. Yeah, uh, that consistency is going to be key. Well, Derek, thank you for that. I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us those, those insights into um, unlimited or flexible leave, perhaps as, as, as we should call it more. Um, and I shall leave you now to enjoy, no doubt, plan your 15th anniversary party with Gordon Leeds and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thank you, yeah, I should probably say that this is a, just a photograph of our reception. It's not everybody's not on holiday. It's not quite. A... <laughs> <laughs> just before, just before everyone gets too worried. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure.